The Cleveland Guardians have brought ready to split a doubleheader today. Again, 1-1. One, one. Uh, the game isn't over, but it is pretty much over. We're going to get into the doubleheader and a mailbag on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, if you don't like Cranky Jeff, fast forward to segment two. <laughs> I'm just going to be upfront and honest, but here's why I am annoyed. So you look at this game. Savian Curry pitches a very strong game. Great debut for him. Uh, I wish I could currently watch, but my MLB app is completely wants to freeze solid. <sighs> After that, we bring in Eli Morgan. Now, Eli Morgan, we've talked about his, his situations, his struggles when of late, the bad luck. But more than that, we've talked about the fact that Eli Morgan has massive splits. And I don't mean, you know, the gymnastic thing. I mean, he can't get lefties out. His FIP, which is a fielding independent ERA, I've talked about it. It is the best indicator of, you know, future pitching success. Versus lefties, 507. Versus righties, 207. Three-run differential. This isn't a small differential. It's huge. Uh, his strikeout percentage versus righties, 36%. Versus lefties, 22. You know, what else can I tell you about? Home run rate versus lefties, 237. Versus righties, 0.63. There is a big change when he faces a righty where he's quite good over the course of this year. Now, he did give up a home run to a righty tonight versus a lefty. Sending him in in that situation is just setting him up to fail because you're sending him in to go lefty, righty, lefty, switch hitter who's going to bat lefty, and then another lefty. Of course, Morgan gives up multiple runs. He has been struggling. His confidence is very clearly low. And then you go ahead and throw on top of that that he's really bad against lefties. So let's have him face a bunch of lefties. For someone who lives and dies with these platoon splits like Tito... I don't know how we can keep ignoring the same platoon split when it comes to Eli Morgan, where the, the data tells you. Like, this isn't anything big. This isn't me using advanced advanced numbers. It's just looking at his splits data and seeing that he can't get lefties out. He, he just can't. They The changeup is not effective enough. The slider is really not effective. And you need that slider to be effective often as a righty as kind of a third pitch to get those lefties It's part of the reason that Morgan is probably better off as a pen arm, even with his struggles, because he just doesn't have... He's essentially kind of a roogie, and sending him out there against a bunch of lefties, you know, might as well expect to to have that game get untied. Now, Scope, that's unfortunate. So Brian Child comes in, and he's solid. And then they ask him to go two. He is... I don't think he's had a game this year where he has gone two innings and it has been anything but terrible asking him to go that second inning i know what you're saying it was a weak hit and then it was the two you know bad communication here's the thing a weak hit is still a hit and it's still there because they were able to make contact uh you know the the bad communication i mean both those guys had to run to get there it was not an easy angle for either of those outfielders to get to it 
But even if we want to say, okay, he's unlucky, follows it up with a wild pitch and a single, and can't even record an out. So, yeah, Shaw was bad, but Shaw should have never been out there for that second inning. Or, if he's out there, he faces Scope, who's a righty, and then Hentges should have been ready to go. Having Shaw face the lefties that were up there, it's, you're just asking uh, for failure. You're setting him up to fail, and you're splitting the doubleheader again, which this is a team that is well over 500. The fact that they seem completely content to just, oh, we'll split, we just want to split the doubleheader is insanity. They had fought back to get a run uh, back, and then they just give up multiple more and you know put this game out of reach because of bad bullpen management. And that's you know kind of where I stand. So, what would I have done? Yeah, that's always the question, right? I, I feel like early on, when this was a tie game, it's a high leverage situation. When it is a tie game, I would look to go to Henches early on. Then you follow that up with Shaw, and then you know probably go to Sandlin. But trying to get two out of out of Shaw is not going to be you're not going to be successful. And then. Morgan, that is not the ideal situation. Or, you know, honestly, like, Henches, then Morgan for more of the righties in the lineup, and then go to Shaw. But don't don't try to get two out of Shaw. That's just not going to be successful. It's not going to work. Uh, this isn't me necessarily even, you know, railing against Shaw. It's more that if you, when you ask him to go two innings, you know what's going to happen. When you send Morgan out against lefties, you should know what's going to happen. And that's why those are bad calls. Even though it's a bad team with the Tigers, and it is fair to say they're a bad team, that set this team up to to lose this game. And it's unfortunate, and it's frustrating, but it is what it is. And I believe that double play right there is going to end it, right? That was, uh, yep. Cleveland drops the second game, 7-5. to five. Uh, Four of those runs charged uh, Shaw and Morgan. Cleveland got five across. Curry had a good start. Questionable bullpen decisions throughout caused them to lose this one. We're going to take our first break, come back, and get into more of the nitty-gritty of these games now that I am done venting on today's Locked On Guardians. And I know I'm not supposed to have favorites or sponsors, but you know my favorite sponsor is Built Bar. I have four in my bag. We're just starting, you know, the pre-teaching stuff right now. So I am loading up my Built Bar. That is my go-to for lunch. And I, I mean, I just love right now... You get a free boost or broth with your order. Uh, I don't have my mug here. It's currently sitting upstairs on the kitchen table. I have a Built Bar Boost right now. I've been, I have been—I pulled those out. I hadn't used them in a while, and I forgot just how much I like the Built Bar Boosts. Uh, I had broth. They are solid, but how about some fun things? What else? Pina Colada. That is there. They do coconuts so well. Why wouldn't you want to try that? I am very intrigued. I, I'm getting low. I might put in an order for the Pina Colada and the Toffee Almond, which is still on sale. I mean, if that's not enough, peanut butter lovers bundle. They do peanut butter so well. Banana cream pie, brownie butter, batter. I personally love the churro. There's always great deals going on at Built. And again, put in an order right now. Pina colada, 17 grams of protein, 150 calories. They do coconut super well. And you get a free boost. I, I like the boost more in the broth, but to each their own. But I would highly recommend Remember, when you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% on your order. I love Built Bar. If you try it, you will too. That is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Listen, I know people get annoyed with my crankiness, so we're gonna. I'm just going to sum it up one last time here. I don't blame Eli Morgan. 
Morgan was put in a situation where he he's not going to succeed. Lefties are his, you know, he's he's not been strong of late in general, but he's been really bad against lefties. And when you put him in that situation to face a bunch of lefties, just to really hammer this point home, if we look at the advanced stats, um, and you know, you look at home versus lefties or away, and you just go through all this, but batted ball data versus a lefty or a righty, he's just getting hit so much harder. 16% home run rate on a fastball to a 6.3 versus a righty. Uh, you know, he, it's, he's an entirely different pitcher. And when you put him in there get to face left, and again, one of the righties went deep, but when you put him in there against mostly lefties, he's going to fail. And I don't blame Shaw. Shaw's first inning was great. When you ask him to go two, you're setting him up and the team to fail. So I'm not, don't view this, um, sorry, I get it, encoding overloaded. Consider turning down video settings. So hopefully everything's okay. Let me know if there's an issue in this podcast, just because I don't know exactly what that means by encoding overloaded. But I'm putting this one more on the way this game was managed, which has been the issue in every single doubleheader this year, which is this whole feeling of we just want one out of two. Um, last I saw the... Royals had some base runners on, but they were uh, losing to the Twins. I, I think since it, you know, has jumped around to other games on MLB, that probably means the Twins got out of it. Uh, Cleveland, I believe, was up two and a half, so this would put it, you know, two up because of the split. It's just this was a chance to get another game. And again, I hate Xavier Curry should have got his first win today. You know, he pitched a strong game. It is unfortunate to see. Let's talk about Game One, a four to one win by the Guardians. I feel like I've been saying this a lot. Like, Aaron Savale's best start of the year. We just talked about Quantrell's best start of the year. Savale has had his struggles. I feel like this game dropped his ERA like half a run, but 10 strikeouts in six innings. That's a that's amazing for him. That is huge. One walk, three hits, one earned run. He was awesome. 99 gets his opportunity, and he's great. One, one walk, but two strikeouts. It's interesting. Excuse me, I got like a hiccup going there. Apologize. Uh, 99 to Stefan. Like, they flipped roles in this one, right? I, I'm, I I don't have an issue with one being the seventh, one being the eighth. Uh, this is very clearly, though, to me, your 789. And Class A is Class A. And it's down to a 1.27 ERA. Uh, do want to give Shaw a quick congratulations, kudos, by passing 45 game appearances this year. He has now made 450,000 extra in bonuses. When he gets to 50,000, he will then be up to 600,000 in bonuses. That's right. He just keeps every five games from here on out he appears in. He makes an additional $150,000. So there's that. Um, Okay, I'm really done now. But again, this game wasn't his fault. If they limited him to one inning, he'd have had a great appearance for him. He would have done his job. Um... In this game, who reached base twice? Well, Jimenez was, you know, just awesome in both of these games. He had three hits. Oscar Gonzalez had two. Jose Ramirez had two hits. Uh, I think uh, Miles Straw had a hit and a walk. That's right, because he also stole two bases for Straw in this one. Uh, so there was a lot of really nice performances. Box score bingo, nine hits by Cleveland, three walks. There was an error by Detroit, so that's 14 opportunities. Four runs is, eh, you know, maybe you're close to 15 runs, especially when you look at the fact that they had, I guess they only had three extra base hits. So four is about okay. The other side of things, three hits, two walks, five opportunities. It's like one, maybe two runs. So 
the box score made sense. It kind of comes to be what we expect. Uh, I mean, Hutchinson was great for Detroit, too. Uh, it was kind of, uh, you know, Nolan Jones. I saw people <laughs> complaining about Nolan Jones. One, yeah, three strikeout stinks, but, like, didn't he have three hits just yesterday? <laughs> like, okay, let's let's have some balance here. He's not even playing that much. It's hard for any of these guys to get in a rhythm. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna crap on Jones, Benson, or Freeman, because how how can they get in a rhythm at this level with their irregular play? Three stars, Savale, easy. Uh, Jimenez, easy. And then I, I probably leaned Oscar Gonzalez because he had a double. He had an extra base hit in this one. Or, yeah, because you're looking at two hits. So that, those are my three stars in game one. <sighs> game two. I'm, I'm not going to focus on what I've already talked about. We'll just get into it. Who reached base twice? Well, Stephen Kwan had two hits. You had um, two hits by Luke Maley, who you know also you know had a home run in this one, his second. How about two home runs in, like, the last two weeks after not having, like, any this year and had historically, like, never hit for power? Uh, that was mildly amusing um, watching it uh, there. And then, let's see, you also had Benson got hit by a pitch, as did Freeman. So Benson also had a walk, so Benson reached base twice in this one. And did Freeman also had a walk, so Freeman reached base twice in this one as well. Uh Looking at this, it is unfortunate that Naylor went down with an injury. And am I the only one who's worried about, like, the tissue paper nature of, of Josh Naylor's body? Like, I know they want flexibility and this and that, but it's like, maybe he should only be a DH. He should never play outfield again. But he's just been unable to, it, it feels like every other week. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at FMLB Draft. Am I over-exaggerating? Or does it feel like to you that every week, well, not every week, but every other week, every two weeks, Josh Naylor is beat up to some degree? Uh, you know, Owen Miller came in. I'm, I'm, you know, I have my issues with Owen Miller, but in this situation, what are you going to do? You already have most of your lineup out there. Uh, you know, Nolan had a rough first game. It's absolutely the right call to go there. And, uh, you know, he went one for three. It's totally a, a solid performance. Who are your three stars? Well, I'm giving one to to the rookie. Uh, Curry, yeah, you'd like to see more missed bats. He did give up eight hits. Only the one walk. You know, I, I saw a good friend of the show, Justin Lada, JL underscore baseball. Uh, and also, ch- shout out my former, side note, co-host, uh, you know, Pat, Tangible Uno. Uh, Pat was, I, I retweeted it, or go to, to Pat's page. Like, he had a whole interview with Xavier Curry, like, from last year, a chance where he sat down to talk to him. Curry was drafted, and I, you know, one of those, pat myself on the, the shoulder time, sorry, James, I kind of called it. It was a natural fit, and it was kind of in that same, honestly, like the Eli Morgan mold. Like, undersized guy, good secondary offering, very low walk rate, pitching at a program not really known for great pitching development. He was at Georgia Tech, and he didn't pitch at all, I believe, in 2019 after he was drafted because he had a high innings count. 2020 is the last year, so 2021 is his first time pitching in the minors, and before the end of 2022, he's in the majors. That's quite an ascent for him. Very, you know, good on Curry. And yeah, I get it. Three innings. I mean, three earned runs in five innings. The ERA is 5.4. So it's, it's not great. But as a rookie making his debut in a game like this, I, I think I give it to him. And then Quan had a big hit. It was unfortunate that Ahmed then, you know, hitting the double play. And right there, if you... 
you don't want to blame bullpen issues. You can just talk about Ahmed and Jose being a combined 0 for 8 in this one and that being a big part of the problem. But Quan set the table. Quan's coming up with big hits. He continues to be just stellar uh, this whole year. And, I mean, I was talking about in the game, the two strikes before he got that single were, like, very bomb of the zone. Once he is, like, established as the hitter he looks like he is going to be, those are the calls that go his way. Now, I'm not saying, and, you know, um, can't think of the gentleman who is like, well, those are in the zone. It's like, yeah, they're in the zone. But there are pitches that good hitters get. He'll eventually get those, and it's going to be, like, impossible to get Stephen Kwan out. But going back to it, Kwan is very easily, to me, one of the stars in this one. Uh, I give it to Luke Maley, who had a home run in this game as well and had two hits. Um, you know, Andre, or Jimenez had the home run as well. I mean, he went yard in both doubleheaders, but just the one hit, so I'm, I'm giving it to Maley over him and giving it to, to Curry. Oscar Gonzalez also had two hits, but he also dropped the baseball going to happen with him the outfield did no favors and that's the thing like for as much as people hate miles straw and i get it he has been awful at the plate he's been downright awful at the plate but you know what happens he makes that catch in the was it the uh the eighth inning like is there any doubt he makes that catch uh so that's kind of what happens like you, you miss out there now at the same time benson Turns it around, and um, was that did he score in the ninth? Now I'm kind of having a moment of like brain lock, but you know he I think on the Quan hit is where he scored, so it was previous to that. Where I mean he booked it from second base to get there. You know, good on him. I mean it, the guy hustles all the time, but the one thing you do miss out on Straw is just that like those that play doesn't happen if Straw is out there. So they lose this one. It stinks. It's a game they should win because you shouldn't lose to the Tigers ever. This Tigers team is really really bad um, and their offense is like historically awful I just, I didn't like I didn't like the bullpen and then, you know, when they finally go to Hench's um, you know, he, he does give up a single which means another run got charged to Shaw but then he struck out to Nick Sandlin to, Sandlin has been really good since he came back from AAA maybe rely on him a little more I, I don't understand, and, you know, um, I need to give credit where it's due. Is it, is it like Derek D's? I'm sorry, dude. Like, I retweeted you out. Um, oh, no, no, don't click there. Ah, oh, man. But it's like, yeah, Derek D's. Uh, it feels like Francona only acknowledges platoon advantages when it comes to the hitters. It's like, yeah, just know where you're, how things set up. So we're going to come back. Uh, I've got my dumb quote of the night for or of the last week for segment three. Uh, I think you know we're gonna get into some other things that have come up in the news, and uh, we will be back in a moment on Locked On Guardians. Our second sponsor is one of our longest and one of the ones I am most fa- thankful to have, which is Bet Online. Let's check their line for tomorrow's game. Uh, Gary Hill. I don't think it's necessarily Gary. G. Hill is pitching uh, for the Tigers, Zach Plesak for the Cleveland Guardians. I, I think we're thinking Gary Hill do the recent player uh, drafted by Tampa Bay. Gary um, has nothing to do with bet online, which where currently Cleveland is minus one and a half, and the over-under is set at eight with the over and the under being favored. I can kind of see that. 
in this game. I was trying to think if I was right when I called. I was most definitely not right in game one when I said go over. So I got that one wrong. Uh, it was not one of my guarantees, but still. Go check out Bet Online for yourself if this is your thing. If you are someone, uh, I, and here's the thing, even if you're not someone who's necessarily into gambling, I still use Bet Online just as a resource because Vegas knows, right? I talked about it on draft day. Vegas knows. Go to Bet Online for yourself. They have all the news and information you could possibly need when it comes to sports and sports wagering. That is Bet Online. Okay, there is my okay. So let's get into the worst quote of the week. Did anyone else see Mike Clevenger's quote on Fernando Tatis? It's the second time we've been disappointed with him. You hope he grows up and learns from this and learns that it's about more than just him right now. Does he have no self-awareness? Did Clevenger just forget everything that he ever did? All of his moments of making it about him and not the team and all the times those things went sideways? My goodness, that is quite the quote from a guy kind of known for doing... I mean, again... It wasn't the degree of, and I cannot, like, if you're a Padres fan, you should be frustrated. Like, Tatis has no business riding that motorcycle. Uh, and then he just, the ringworm thing it is what it is. I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to weigh in on the suspect nature of that. Uh, but I understand saying suspect, people are saying there's a suspect nature, let me clarify. But I think that quote is just hysterical. So I, that is my quote of the day. Uh, that one stood out to me. I was like, "Oh boy, you you okay? You're going to make that statement? Whew, that's a a rough statement." I also thought, uh, you know, I, there I had some older things I wanted to bring up in here very quickly that I kind of missed out on. Um, the Cleveland, this was back a, a Jensen Lewis thing in July. The Cleveland led the league by significant margin in outfield assists. I didn't know that was happening. That was kind of interesting. Uh, Tom Withers at Tom Withers AP from August 4th. Shane Bieber in his first 100 starts is the highest winning percentage by a pitcher in his first 100 starts in team history. Better than Wes Farrell, Bob Lemon, Bob Feller. I mean, it's the greatest in team history. That stood out. Um, and then uh, G off, uh, Super Grover 1725. Have you done an episode about the 40-man crunch between 95 and 2003? That would be great. And he let me know the sound was better, so thank you for that. Uh, so I spent a good two, three hours literally, because <laughs> there's no great tool for this, I had to go through every single draft. And then click on the guys that left Cleveland, click on the guys that went to Cleveland, and then see what happened. Okay, did they get returned? Did they become successful? So we can talk about, there was a year, that there, there was two years in a row in that era, we'll talk about it at some point, where they lost, I think, five guys, and then three, like they lost eight guys over two years. And some of them turned into really good players, and some of them turned into consistent major leaguers. So um, I'm going to, and then I also wanted to point out this is from uh, PJ at Fox 8, PJ Zeigler. I, did everyone see, like, just how classy Fran Mill is? That he was on his way out. He said, I'm thankful for the organization, everything they've done for me and my family. I cannot say bad things. I love them all. Chris Antonetti was like a father to me. So to hear some of the things, like Hammy saying, you know, the, the, why would the Cubs be desperate enough to sign him? Like, man, he it just doesn't... Why? Like, that was a very classy move by Fran Mill. Um, and then, should we talk about Gabriel Arias? Like, you know, he had a multi-home run game recently. He's hitting well over 340 in August. Just keep your eye there. That's all I'm going to say. He is playing really, really, really well. 
checking the time here. We got a few minutes. Let's do some of these mailbags from Derek Deese, who I already talked about at TribeGuy97. What is Cleveland going to do with Arias, or more specifically, how do they sort through He, Freeman, and Rocchio? Another question. Is Owen Miller just going to platoon with Naylor the rest of the year, or will they come up with a solution to that? Well, I've talked about Miller shouldn't be a platoon because he's actually been better against righties than lefties. Uh, he is just, he's going to be, and, and that's where I get frustrated again. Like, it's the same thing, like, you know, I had someone being like, you know, I'm not going to get, I don't blame Tito for putting out Eli Morgan and these struggling pitchers. The only reason I do is because your job as a manager is to have all the data. So as a manager, you need to know that Owen Miller actually hits righties better than lefties. You need to know that Eli Morgan is having a very clearly to all of us watching. He has been unlucky and it's leading to confidence issues and he struggles against lefties. These are things you just need to know. That's part of your job. Here's the thing with Freeman. I think super utility guy is his role. And I think he can play almost every day in that role. Rokio, at some point next year, I think he's caught up to stay. And like I've said, there's a lot of, of him and as to him. There's a lot of Lindor to him. I He might end up being my number one prospect in this system when the season is all said and done. He does everything well. Uh, Arias is just hard. Because of the injury, like it, it's he is stuck in this situation that we have seen. Like, I don't want to necessarily say he's Yu Chen Chang, but back when this organization was anywhere near deep as it was, with Eric Stametz going out there at shortstop because Chang was hurt, he missed that opportunity, he missed that window for him to really get that chance. I don't know what they do with Rise. Like him ending the year hot, maybe helps his trade value. I don't really know, but unless they move Rosario and then have Arias for like three quarters of the year but if he plays well then he's the dude and then if he doesn't play well there's no trade value really you know or it's very minimal so i don't know yeah so it's hard to say but i think freeman backup rokio starter in maybe year and a half two years uh he's not in the 40 man this is from kevin m uh, slender sorry dude he's not in the 40 man do you see a path other than injury where Brennan has called up, and what do you project him as in the ML, in the major leagues? Uh, I don't see a path. <laughs> they just have so many outfield options. I don't see a path for him this year, even with injuries, because you still have Benson to play center. You still have you know, Nolan Jones in the outfield, Richie Palacios in that outfield. They're going to run with those guys first. Um, uh, I don't want to comp him to Stephen Kwan, because Stephen Kwan is, is a unicorn. He's a freak in all the right ways. He's just mentally so advanced <laughs> like you read the articles it's like he is diving into every advanced notion he is really doing things we don't see every player do so i understand production wise there is this tendency to kind of compare them because they're a little bit of a center field tweener when they both kind of on the similar explosion path i think brandon has a chance to be an above average regular to maybe probably likely closer to average but i don't want anyone to judge because Stephen kwan is just he's he's different um, Aaron Bachman asks, can we convince Tito that Owen is a nice bench option but not an everyday player? No, we cannot. Oh, and I want to, I'm want i going to get one more question in here because um, I also need to do a correction. Not sure if it's too late. This is from Quincy Wheeler, uh, uh, Quincy Wheeler 1, who always has tons of great drive coverage himself. Um, is there anything worth looking at with Jonathan Rodriguez? K-rate and BAPIP are high, and he's a little older for the level, but the 135 WRC plus pops off the page. Uh, one, yesterday I called him a switch hitter, Fever Dog, Andrew Kinsman, who's essentially like the bonus fact checker in the booth. Uh, he's absolutely right. He was drafted as a switch hitter, but he gave it up. He is uh, not a switch hitter anymore. He is you know, strictly 
I'm going to get it wrong. I believe just a right-handed bat. I should probably double-check that. But yeah, he hasn't been a switch hitter since almost his first year. And here's the thing that I always tell uh, people. A high bat pip is a good thing, especially in A-ball. That's not him being lucky. Uh, that is, you know, he... Yeah, he's a right-handed bat. That shows quality contact. Bat pip is a positive trait for hitters. This is, it's, there's this, we have this view to look at it like, hey, bat pip is bad. He's been lucky in the minors. No, no. When it is an A ball, that is a sign of positive contact. That is a good sign for Rodriguez. And yes, I think there is something to this. He is a, it's a Will Benson like turnaround for him. He was a, the youngest kid in his draft class. He gets drafted. He scuffles a bit. He plays at the lower levels because he's a 17 year old kid, barely 17. Um, in, when he was drafted, young kid took him a while. Then COVID happens, and I think you have to. You know, I, I talked about it a little bit on the the show on yesterday. I think he is a guy to watch. He is someone to pay attention to. You know, and it, he's he's about the league average, a little bit younger than league average to the level, but he just hasn't had as many reps. And again, bat pip is good, so you want bat pip. And uh, I lied. Last question here: If they demote Miller, would the DFA Clement or Gas bring him up? They can carry, can't carry that many middle infielders in Columbus with Rokio knocking on the door. I don't think Rokio is going to get called up anytime soon. It just feels like they're going to let these guys play. I think, you know, I'm not necessarily even saying we ne- need to demote Miller, but like Freeman should definitely be taking some of Miller's at bats right now. Is kind of my view. Um, Clement is someone you got to consider. I think DFAing this offseason just purely because you don't have you have too many infielders. And where is he going to play? Like you have Ty Freeman and Owen Miller both do it better than Clement does. So you need a third one. I mean, and again, I think he's a major league player. I think he'll latch on with another team if you let him go. I guarantee you he gets claimed. But yeah, I think he he's just it's a numbers game. Same thing with Yu Chen Chang. He's been you know, a starter with Tampa since he got there. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast for today. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. I'm behind on the YouTube comments. I will jump in and be responding to those this evening as this podcast uploads. Uh, I want to thank everyone who is subscribing. That is a big thing for the show right now. And listening. We had a pretty solid week overall. And hopefully as this, continue, te- yeah, as this team continues to excel, we'll see the numbers go up. Um... Let me know what you want to hear, what you want to talk about. Like I said, I, I sat there and spent a few hours on Friday night going through every single Rule 5 draft from 1980 to 2020 just so I could, I got an Excel spreadsheet. I'll share that out at some point uh, when I do that episode. But uh, as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.